0: Welcome to SelfDiscoveryRadio.com. With over 1,400 shows, we have the answers for you. Enjoy your listening on SelfDiscoveryRadio.com. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Positive Vibrations Roundtable with me, your host, Sarah Troy, and two gentlemen at the present uh, that are, have got together to spill your beans. We're going to be telling you more about that. Their names are Nicholas Mann and Jaspeed Anand. They've started Spill Your Beans TV, a little conversational pit about topics that are going on in life. They're based here in BC, Canada, um, basically based out of Abbotsford, and so they do an awful lot of local interviews, and it's about kind of discussing what's going on in the world, what we can do about it, and, you know, the cultures, breaking them down, breaking down the stereotypes, and, uh, and just looking at the diverse nature of people in general. I found that when we're open to discussion um, and have a dialogue and truly listen to one another we see past the differences and we find that commonality and we realize that we're all human beings on this planet and we need to work together, respect one another uh, in order to make everything kind of work. This um, discord and divide is something that really should be something of the past and it is about unison coming together, sharing a story, sharing an inspiration and inviting people to join a movement that is more beneficial to humankind. So how did these young men get together? How did they start this? Why? What is their story? What is their message? And let's find out and find out what Spill Your Beans TV is all about. Welcome to the show, Nicholas and Jasvit. Well, thanks
1: for thanks having, us. having us. Yes. So, so. And
0: Nicholas, I'm going to go to you first, if you'd like to just tell everybody a little bit about yourself. I mean, we really are talking diversified here, you're Chinese. Jess Pete is East Indian, uh, which here in BC we see a lot of multicultures and I love to see them come together. But tell us a little bit about your background and then we'll go to Jess Pete.
2: Okay, well, I'm born in uh, Toronto actually and grew up there for 10 years and then moved over to BC. But uh, I've always been, um, I've always cared about other people and I've always wanted to try and make the world a better place. And basically, trying to eliminate bad in the world. And it wasn't, I actually just recently met Jazz about a year ago. And it was funny because um, at that moment in time, I was doing a lot of self reflection and thinking about what I wanted to do with my life, basically. <laughs> and uh, I was really interested in business because in business, you can really develop yourself and you can build whatever you like. And it's like another different journey. And uh at the same time I was building my journey or building my business, um, I still had the idea that I wanted to change the world in the back of my mind and It was around the same time I started my business that I met jazz, and he introduced uh himself and he He was telling me about his idea for changing the world as well and the one of the beliefs that I had is that um when you want to change the world, you need to kind of build yourself up. You need to improve yourself to the point where you have more to offer to the world. So I was at the point, I'm, I'm a young kid, so I didn't really have much to give. And so the more you work on yourself, the more you have to give to the world. And so I wasn't really planning on getting out there and trying to change anything, just working on myself. But it just so happened that I'm a jazz, and then... um he introduced Spill Your Beans, which was all about changing the world, which was interesting and uh, very coincidental. No
0: Actually, coincidences coincidental. in life. No coincidences at all. <laughs> and, and, <you laughs> know, and and working on yourself is something you're going to do to the day you die. So believe me, you know, uh, jump in on your journey anytime and follow that path and that invitation. So Jaspeet, um, your background, my dear.
1: My background, well, like Nick said, I'm just a big kid, and uh, I was 20 years older than this kid, but still a kid, and uh, had many, many different, uh, I guess, hats to wear in life. I uh, started off wanting to be a doctor, and uh, dropped out of school first year, became a farmer, um, decided to go traveling for a couple of years, and uh, worked for an airline. Working for an airline, realized I should be in business, so I chased the commerce and the dollars, so I worked for a bank for 10 years. And then it was a cup of tea um, on my journey uh, in India that started this whole transition from a materialistic lifestyle because I wore name brand everything, had to be top of the line, this or that. And then when you realize that uh, there's a different perspective to life, uh, a non-materialistic world where people are happy with nothing, uh, whereas here in the Western world, we're unhappy with all our possessions. Mm -hmm. And so I started to see that, okay, life can be different. I can perceive things to be different. And uh, I still wasn't having clarity in it, and I just knew I had to make some changes. So after a six-month backpacking journey through India, uh, I was on my way back, and I had a cup of tea with my family uh, at the airport. And amazing cup of tea, and it wasn't like the most sanitary uh, coffee shop in the world. It was like uh, a cart with the wheels, mm. and uh, the dishwasher was a bucket of water, and he just kind of dips the cup in the bucket. But it was one of the best cups of coffee. And look, this is ten more than ten years later, and I'm still talking about that mm. cup of tea. And so great, great feeling. Very sad. Didn't want to leave. Got on the plane. Got to Germany, and. Uh, had another cup of tea, just to reminisce. So when I got to the uh, cafeteria in uh, Frankfurt, that same orange pico nabob name-brand uh, cup of tea, which in India cost me five rupees for a cup, cost me six euros. Now six euros at the time is about twenty dollars Canadian, and in India that equivalent of five rupees may be about twenty cents Canadian, mm-hmm. and that blew my mind. I, I couldn't understand how um, a cup of tea in Frankfurt could be worth $20 Canadian and then that same cup of tea in India be worth $0.20. Cents, and it was still the same Orange Peacone, May Bob, uh, tea bag. And uh, so I realized that it's uh, big business. It's corporations. It's uh, me. I'm the bad guy. I was a banker at the time. So within three days of that, uh, I quit working for the bank and uh, started to, like Nick said, figure out life again. And uh, the funny part, as you asked, like, your summary at the beginning about unity and helping and making a difference, uh, you summed it all up. I was going to actually give you a hand, but you said not to <laughs> talk or make any noise while you were talking, but I was clapping in, in my heart. <laughs> 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 and uh, and then I came home and decided, you know, it won't be banking. Let's, let's do something different. So I started helping a friend delivering a, um, at a courier company, so like a glorified mailman. Mm-hmm. And I pulled out an old high school book. And in that book, I had written that I was going to own a coffee shop. And the name of the coffee shop was going to be Spill Your Beans. And that's it. That basically started the whole ball of owning a tea shop. So the name of the tea shop is Sip Chai Cafe. And the talk show is now called Spill Your Beans.
0: Mm.
1: And And here we are today. I love the the way
0: life comes together, though, isn't it? You know, we have to make that journey before we realize where we're meant to be. And, you know, even though you had that knowledge beforehand, you didn't have the tools or the wisdom to know what to do with it. And when the time is right, whether you're young or whether you're older, it's seizing the day, you know, carpe diem, uh, that revelation of this is what I'm meant to be doing. Um, And you'd have to know how at the time, do you? You just have to know this is it. Now I'm going to discover what it is I need to do with it.
1: Absolutely, yeah. You, you take that chance. And like you said, there's no such thing as, as coincidences in life. No. <laughs> um, it's up to you to be open to believe that, though. Uh, and until you are, everything is a coincidence. It's like, oh, look at that, or oh, look at that. But until you read and say, well, why did that happen? That happened for this reason, or this is providing that for me. Uh, you look at everything a little deeper. Uh, and as you said, everything is connected. People, uh, in uh, coincidences, like like not connected, not individual; they are more than individual coincidences. Yeah. There's more to it. So.
0: I call it the synchronicity of life, when you know things happen for a reason. And and you know, uh, Nicholas, being Chinese, my my children are half Chinese, and you know, I know that the Chinese culture can be, you know, very kind of um, you must go and get a good education. You know, uh, the doctor, the lawyer, the engineer. Um, and that there's a lot of importance and placed on that. Did you grow up in an environment where that wasn't expected of you? Because you're talking about taking your self-journey, and that seems to be a very big emphasis on someone so young, you know, who seemed to have started so young. Were you encouraged by your parents to discover yourself and what you really wanted to do in life? Um,
2: well, you're right. My parents were very much... Uh, Chinese and stereotypical in that way where they wanted I me mean, to get good grades, get into a good school, get a good job. And I think when you think about what your parents want from you, it always comes down to them wanting the best.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And they just built a world where, because their par- um my grandparents, their parents were um, in the Depression. So they didn't have any education. They were uh, janitors and truck drivers and so the way they thought um, their way out of that was through education. So my, my both my mom and dad are pharmacists and they went to school in England and so they worked extremely hard to get out of the position that their parents were in because they saw where they were and they saw this one route. Now, um, so growing up in that kind of environment for them, they kind of I want to say, it's kind of like they, they're brainwashed to think that that's the only way. I know that's a little negative.
0: No, it's uh, very true, It is very true, you know, because the parents want to, I mean, I'm a non-traditionist and always have been, but, you know, it's still a parent's thing. You want your children to have security. Um, you want them to have something to fall back on. I've always been a plan A person, and we don't look at B until A has been totally exhausted, um, but I'm unusual. You know, most parents are wanting their kids to have that education and that opportunity to secure their lives because they know what it's like to grow up with that um, insecurity. So um, it's very natural. But obviously there are certain cultures that are just a little more, you know, um, focused on that. And, um, you know, ha- having been married to a Chinese gentleman, you know, I, I saw that evidence of that. So, But your, obviously your, your journey kept speaking to you, though. So it kind of, even though you went ahead and... Yeah. You know, did everything well, else? Well, so the didn't... first
2: year, well, <laughs> sorry, but yeah, well, the first year um, that I wanted to take my year off, well, uh, I didn't, I kind of knew that I never wanted to go back to school, um, but I had to uh, approach it a little tactfully. You can't really <laughs> go out of the gate saying, I'm never never going back to school again, because then that raises a lot of red flags, and so I, I kind of... Um, I guess, led them in the in in a way where I gave them safeguards. Like I said, I'm going to go back to school, or I'm taking a year off. Um, and people do that uh, in school. Like A lot of people do that to kind of have time for themselves or travel or work a little bit to pay off their student loans. And so I told them that I'm going to take a year off, and don't worry. Uh, I want to um, kind of go off on my own a little bit. If this doesn't work out, uh, it, there's... Uh, Nothing wrong with that because I'll have I'll easily be able to go back into school. And so I kind of um, worked them a little bit, made them more comfortable with the fact that I wasn't going to school. And then I think it's been two years now and I'm still not going to school, but they're now more on board with my journey.
0: Well, you started and, your own business. So obviously they're seeing, you know, you go to school so you can be in business. So you're already in business. So, you know... <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: right. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually I was in school for electrical engineering, but it's, uh, yeah, I kind of, in high school I didn't really know what I wanted to do and I didn't really care. I was kind of um, carefree in a way, and uh, I did, actually didn't even know what uh, engineering was about a week before I applied. <laughs> i was I was like jazz, I wanted to be a doctor until I found out about their science and applied science, so um, I was better at physics and calculus. I didn't know about uh applied science though, but once I found out, I was like, well, that kind of suits me better and so that's how I got into engineering. Well, I applied to u b c and uh I guess my grades were good enough for them to accept me
0: so, and so many people take that journey right jazz you know they they take a journey of a certain expectation or let's just give it a try and then find out it's not a fit. But nothing's ever a waste, is it? Because you learn things along the way that you carry forward with you.
1: Yeah, it's up to us to find something in everything that we do. And I mean, uh if Nick had gone on that journey for school, I'm sure he would have found a way of figuring out something there. You'd have still been in business, Nick, I'm pretty sure somehow. Yeah,
0: if it's in you, it's in you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, yeah. so you you take something from everything. Mm. Um Question what you do, uh, not to basically judge yourself, Mm -hmm. but make sure you're doing what you enjoy and you're helping people. And and the big picture, are you still following your path? Um, And if you don't know what your path is, you're constantly on a searching journey And uh, without that purpose. But if you find your purpose early, uh, you're easy. uh, It's like uh, driving. Uh, I use this analogy quite often. Now, if you don't know where you are or where you're going, you're constantly looking at every street corner, uh landmarks and saying, "Oh, I've been here. Okay, we don't we need to go there." And, but if standing say in the prairies and you can see the saddle dome or the big skyscraper and there's your destination, now you don't need a map. You really don't need to look anywhere because you see your goal in front of you and you know if I just head that way, I'll get to where I need to be. And and so it's about knowing your goal and once you know it, then the journey's easy. Well, Not easy. You know where you're going. Easier, easier, but 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 it's not dictating,
0: is it? You know, there's a difference between knowing.
1: No, oh, absolutely. Once you're on your path, knowing what
0: you want and what you what you're trying to acquire, and different from dictating how it should be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well. As you're growing up, life is dictated to you. And that is by the perception that your parents have experienced in life, your teachers have experienced, or television is teaching you, your friends, your friends' parents. These are all impressions that you're getting in your life that they tell you what's the best way in life for you based on their perception and their experiences. So they all mean well for you. There's nothing wrong. Everything they're giving you is for your benefit. But you have to figure that out for yourself. And uh, when you figure that out, that is like I say, oh, the golden years. You're, you're kind of building like for yourself now, and I don't mean retirement golden years. I mean working hard and working towards something, and uh, it gives you purpose.
0: Before you find purpose, you really have to find self. You, you need to know, like you knew, you knew you were going to be a businessman, Nick. It was in you, right? One one way or the mm-hmm. other, that entrepreneurial spirit was there. You know, it was in you just too, because you had to kind of discover that you were that a different type of business person the reason why we journey in life and explore and go on these different adventures and twists and turns is is a a great deal about our self-discovery and discovering where our strengths are you know where our weaknesses are where we have the courage where is the weakness what really turns us on and what becomes our meaningful purpose and so many people only come across that in life because they followed the, the path of expectation um and then You know, the cosmos kind of taps them on the shoulder and says, "Uh uh-uh, you shouldn't be going that way. You know, turn here, turn there. For you jazz a cup of tea, you know, that was your revelation. For some people, it's the cosmic two-by-four, the hatchet in the head that, you know, redirects them to where they need to go. So we really have to be in tune by listening not only to ourselves, but to what the universe is saying to us.
1: And it takes a lot of guts. Now, for us, Nick and I, we're two young men, who really don't have much uh, responsibility binding us down. We are free to basically take chance and risk in life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most people in life are now stuck in a circumstance or responsibility, family, bills to pay, mortgages on their head, uh, food to put on the table for children. So even when they get their epiphany and realize, oh, I'm not doing what I want to do, they can't get out of it. Um, in order to take a leave of absence to go to school for two years uh, people can't do that. Life is such a struggle on a daily basis inside the box of a Monday to Friday of paying bills, uh, of surviving, keeping your family happy that even if you found your goal it is now twice as difficult to chase it because you are bound by the circumstance. You've now got all this responsibility to take care of. So even if you do find your goal Uh, It's actually sad because you know what you want to do. It's very difficult to break away from what you are doing, to go there and start what you think your passion or purpose in life is. So we're lucky. We're two young men still figuring out, like, you know, we could even change paths tomorrow and nothing holding us back from it. It's the rest of the world uh, that I feel for, and that's what we want to show is, like, hey, why are we chasing the dollar? Life could be different Mm -hmm. uh, if we work together or build some community together and help each other. And that's where we're trying to go to, is bringing people together and helping people help each other. Uh, And we do that constantly. We help the helpers.
0: but it's also helping the people that desperately know they have to take a different path, but they're caught in their situation. But that path is calling them in such a way. And there is always a way. You know, sometimes you have to cut ties and walk away from something altogether. Sometimes it is a sit-down with the family and saying, I'm redirecting, I need your support. I need you to understand I'm taking night school I'm doing this I'm taking a chance be supportive of me but I think and that communication but that also that honesty with self I have to take this path and if I have a family I have to sit down with that family be open and honest with them um, and invite them to take the journey with me and support me or maybe I have to walk away from people in a situation and be brave and take that leap of faith and, and take that journey and understand it's, it's going to be a little rocky but if it means something to you, you've really got to do it. You can't deny yourself.
1: Absolutely. So to all the listeners right now, if you can, rewind one minute and listen to what Sarah just said one more time. <laughs> that was for you. All right? So talk to your parents. Talk to your colleagues, families, loved ones. If you have found that path or purpose, go for it. All right? Trust me, you'll be happier, and that energy will vibrate from you, and everybody around you will feel it and feel it happier too. Trust me, it reciprocates. So yes, maybe rewind two minutes now because of what I just said. But uh, listen to what she just said. All right, you guys, that's huge. You need the support system, but first you gotta believe in yourself.
0: Um, you know, I'm sure the stories you you um, interview people were you know are on that inspiration. I always say it's inspiration for invitation. Um, we're very invited to take our own journey and find our own strength and courage through somebody else's story because it's inspiring to us. You know, if they can, why can't I? If they've achieved this through that diversity, maybe I can find that strength and courage within me. And we really do celebrate those that have faced their obstacles in life and overcome because it really gives us permission to find that courage and strength to do overcome our own.
1: Absolutely, absolutely and uh, why don't you give me a story about how you found your path? Now, I, I, you've asked me. Can I ask you the interview yes, question for yes. a second? All right. All right.
0: I, right. You know, I, I could be, you know, both of your mothers or even grandmothers. You know, I'm 62. I have children any, from 28, 32, 34. Um, I've lived around the world, England, South Africa, America, here. I've had great deal adversity in my life, a lot to do with ill health. Um, considered uh, not very smart because I'm a, being, I'm a very spiritual person and, and I work on knowingness the cosmic uh, intuition and uh, and um, divine knowledge, uh, at a time where that wasn't ex- you know wasn't embraced, at a time where I was just considered out to la-la land or just you know dumb. Um, so I've had to walk up against you know the wind and the waves through my life. and it's only in the last five years that I've stepped truly into my meaningful purpose by doing these shows, interviewing wonderful people who have faced um, their own diversity and are celebrating that journey, that meaningful purpose and the services that are giving back to humanity, and I'm an advocate, I'm a celebrator, I'm a cheerleader, I'm a connector, and and truly and utterly living my purpose, but I'm also a person who suffers from disabilities, physical ones, financial ones, but when you live in your purpose and your dream and and who you are so completely, uh, you know, there is an inner peace to be had, and I couldn't change directions on what I'm doing. I can change directions and how I grow, but I cannot change in direction on what I'm doing because I'm finally home. So it doesn't matter what obstacles we face. You know, I'm divorced, um, no time for romance, (laughs) busy building a business, (coughs) Uh, but you've just got to find something that means something to you and believe in it, commit to it. um, Don't speak about it, act on it. And pretty well, that's my journey in a nutshell.
1: Wow. Uh, so there's another example that you're never too late to uh, find your home. No. So,
0: thank you I for sharing. This, I, I, I started have. this at 58. So no, you're never too I've, I've interviewed people that have started a redirection in their 70s. I have a 79-year-old host on here who, who speaks of holistic medicine. She's 50 years plus of information on holistic medicine. You know, we've got to kind of look at young. You're on the beginning of your journey. You've got the enthusiasm and the energy the older have got the wisdom of the journey, and when we put the two together, we really now have a gold mine
1: okay, well, how did you stay on your drive and path, knowing that the rest of the world wasn't into what you were thinking? you like you say, there was old way of thinking it was black or white, there's your thinking spiritual togetherness, and you kept going, you just kept going and started this uh, so what kept you going
0: um well, I've, you know, I've, I've definitely retreated and lost myself along the way. You know, for a while I kind of disconnected from my soul and wasn't getting the messages. Um, you know, I poured myself into my children for 20 years where they got everything from me. I've been a spiritual counselor for over 40 years, so always there for other people. Um, and it was just a question of if I stepped into spirit, I was, a, I was at home. I was I- in my peace, I was in my universe. Um, but, you know, I had a really hard time kind of, working, which I call with humans. That's humans who are refusing to embrace spirit, um, refusing to embrace kindness, re- refusing to embrace that positive energy, and it was extremely hard, mm-hmm. very very hard, um, and uh, quite um, despairing at times. So you know now interviewing people around the world who have chosen this other path is light to me, it's energy to me. So I can't say it's been an easy ride. I've had some wonderful moments And epiphanies in my life and this extraordinary journey but i can also say that you know that sometimes it's been a typhoon
1: absolutely i i can agree with you and i nearly don't have the experiences that you do but the stories are awesome i'm glad i asked you (laughs) and thanks for sharing
0: (laughs) no my pleasure now nicholas listening you know to um someone saying that it has been difficult and you know you are young and you've, you've found a path pretty early in life you know for a lot of people it does come later in life um, and you've also you know openly decided to align yourself with people who have had more experience what are you learning from being amongst people who've kind of journeyed a little ahead of you
2: well there's always pockets of knowledge that they have that you don't necessarily get when you first meet them. So it's with, it's with building the relationship with the people that you learn these little things. And especially learning that, um, um, like, uh, what you said, having, um, it's the path you go through is not easy and it's quite difficult at sometimes, but it's your journey or your, your life that you're living. And I think a lot of times that that's what makes it worth living. And, um, and, yeah,
0: what are you learning along the way? That's the key. Um, what are you yeah. learning along the way? And what, how do you apply it? If, you know, there are people who are just learn it. They learn, they learn, they learn, but they don't apply the knowledge. And it's not applying the knowledge word for word. It's how do they incorporate that knowledge and have it ring true to them that now they can apply some of their own knowledge with the joint wisdom
1: funny you said that, because uh, one of our team members at our Christmas dinner on the weekend, uh, we were talking about knowledge is power, but mm-hmm. without action, knowledge is pointless. Yes. So if you don't do anything with that knowledge that you have, it's like static energy, it's just potential energy. It's just sitting there, it's not quite kinetic yet. So it hasn't
0: been switched <laughs> on. hasn't been switched on. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you know, you, you Nathan, know, you've read a lot of books, you know, by reading about and, and, you and it's a wonderful but, you know, and the, and there's little, always a little tidbit from here and there that you get. But again, it comes down to it, with that knowledge, how has it enhanced you to make decisions for yourself to embed your own life? Nick?
2: Well, it's just, uh, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what you learn, and especially because when, when I go reading through the books, you get gold nuggets from... Um, every chapter or every book you read or every um I guess, um source of knowledge that you uh, consume and when when I'm faced with a problem that comes up uh things that uh that I've read uh pop up into my mind a lot easier in that way because it's like oh I I learned about that so I can apply that here and and there, there's different levels of uh knowing I guess or learning so there's a one level where you're reading everything and you don't really apply it but uh, you've, you've read it, you've, it's sitting there in your bedroom or in your shelf so you've known that you read through it second level is actually applying it and so um, different levels in there as well where things happen that if you hadn't read what you read before you wouldn't have known how to dealt with that but because you've read that now you know how to deal with it and the third one's even harder, and it's um, teaching people what you've learned. Mm-hmm. I think that's the last step, and um, being able to recall exactly what you've done, because uh, it's just a lot harder to bring that to consciousness. Mm-hmm. I think right now I'm in the step where it's more in the subconscious, where I, I know it, but it's harder for me to bring it up. You need just to step into no, your knowingness.
0: It. uh yeah.
2: Nick Nick's still
1: wearing 10 different hats every single day he wears the hard hat for labor then he wears the white collar for business that he comes and works behind the scenes So Nick is a wealth of knowledge and uh, he's just going to focus it I see it, I see it he's just trying to streamline I think
0: well you know my, my, okay. my thing with that and as being a counselor I say to people get out of your head um, you know one of the things the soul is the divine connection and it actually resonates kind of around your belly uh, and it goes into your heart with that information, and that and your heart resonates with it and becomes you know impassioned by it and It goes to your spirit into action, and that extracts from your mind what you need to know at the time you need to know it, because your brain is your hard drive, but your mind is all your programming, so everything that you 've read is stored in there, and when you go into your knowingness from soul spirit to uh, soul heart to spirit. It will then extract from the mind the knowledge you need to know at the time you need to know it. Hence we call it, knowingness. And that you trust that knowingness so explicitly you don't need to validate or verify. It is the truth in that moment. So sometimes it's getting out of head and trusting the other dialogue that's within you.
1: Uh, do I have to pay for this lesson? <laughs> I'm learning a lot here. As, am I am I on a couch being timed? Um, I'm going to cut off. On a couch
0: gonna... with me, darling. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm going to go backwards. To what Nick Nick said a minute ago, and Nick was saying about reading, secondly applying, mm-hmm. and then teaching. Well, I, I use this often, and uh, this kind of helps people see what their role in life is without ever really realizing it, and it kind of had a epiphany moment. And I say this to a lot of uh, teenagers, young 20-year-olds, roughly. And it's the idea of we're always students. Like in Punjabi, the word Sikh, like Sikhism, Sikh, means to learn. So Sikh is technically students of life. And then I overanalyze that. And so we are always students. So when we ever stop learning, we've stopped living. So life is a constant, stop growing, stop living, so it's a constant growth, constant learning. But without a choice, like you don't have a choice in this matter, but by the time you turn about 10 or 12, you're also now a teacher. Now that doesn't have to be you teaching the knowledge you've learned, but that means your younger brothers or the kids in this class below you, your nieces, nephews, cousins, they'll look at you for an example. Now, you don't even think about this because you just act. Because I know as a child, I looked at my parents, I looked at uh, other students, older athletes, and I tried to mimic them. And without them knowing, they were teaching me. So as much as we are all students of life, at one point in time, whether we like it or not, we are also teachers. So when we accept that role, uh, then we hold ourselves differently. We start to realize that, wow, I am teaching. I am sharing and providing my knowledge and experience whoever they're watching and absorbing it so that thought
0: that go ahead no no I'm just going to say you also need to know that the student can also be the teacher you know there's a young lady I would love you to interview Uh, her name is Muskan Verk. she's 10 years of age she's written a book 365 days of gratitude with a positive attitude she's doing the circuit right now she's um, in LA about to be in um, New York and when I interviewed her, you know, I thought, I'm going to be talking to a 10-year-old, I'm going to have to change the way I interview. I was blown away by her eloquence, and she became my teacher, uh, my reminder uh, to live in gratitude, to, to live with that positive attitude. So, you know, the the student um, learns from the teacher, but a good teacher will always learn from the student.
1: Uh, absolutely. If at any point you're not there to learn, from any situation, uh, we've lost the big picture. Yeah. Uh, as much as we're there to help and teach, you've got to constantly learn. And what you just said, uh, children, I think we neglect the most important minds of the world. And that goes to say for our seniors, we don't even yeah. consider them human anymore. We, we don't listen to, to the wisest people in the world, we've shut out and put them into homes. Yeah. And then the youngest, youngest people who are unbiased, uh, they're truth tellers. They they haven't been manipulated mm-hmm. yet, and they haven't learned to lie yet. Um, they're the people who should kind of teach us how, what to do. So seniors have the wisdom. You, the young children know the truth, and it's us in the middle that shut all them up. <laughs> it's like Kate, we don't need your knowledge. You're putting home kids go to school, learn, then talk to me. And so. We consider ourselves all-knowing and then shut out some really good information that we could be getting from our seniors and our, and our youth. And, and so it's about listening to everybody. And a 10-year-old, I so yeah. believe that. I know. Yeah, you'll be
0: blown We'll away get her on. We'll get you her really on. We really will be blown away <laughs> by her. But, you know, the other thing we've, we're forgetting is the animal kingdom. You know, the animal, animal kingdom comes along and loves us so unconditionally that it reminds us to step into heart. To get out of ego, to get out of head, and just step into heart and simply love and be open to love. So you know I think the animal kingdom at the present moment have also become great teachers.
1: Absolutely.: Absolutely. Now they live in an environment altogether without a language. They mm-hmm. uh, share water in scarce environments where one flood a month will give them their water source for, for the next meantime, and uh, they learn to accommodate whereas we would fight and say, no, that's my water, no, that's my water. Mm -hmm. And then one of us would get it because the other one is no longer existing. (laughs) So So You're right.
0: What kind of um, interviews do you enjoy doing? Are you very diverse? Is it just kind of the interesting person and what they're doing? And how do you find your client? you know, your guests for your Spill Your Beans TV? Um,
1: We reach out to anybody that's looking to make a difference in life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Reach out to teachers, counselors, uh, different faith groups if there's a holiday that's coming up we want to cover that holiday so one learn ourselves and then teach it to our audience so our job is sharing and learning and so anything that has anything to do with helping and diversity we want to jump on it we want to help you get out there and secondly learn you're constantly teaching us and then we're able to bring people together because what gets what is fear Fear is originated from not knowing something. Yeah. So when you don't know someone or something, you kind of like, Oh, be careful of them. We don't know what's what they're up to. And, and so you kind of a fear. You kind of push them out, put up a wall and keep them away. But we want to get rid of that fear and wall. We want to bring the knowledge, build a bridge, and unite the two different parties that don't know each other. And that's our job. We're we're the middleman. Like you said, you're a middleman. You bring people together. I do that at my coffee shop. People come my walls are gray to be neutral. Uh, I have pictures of all different faiths on my wall. And it's about unity. Because as you said, we are way more similar and have common mm-hmm. commonalities than we do differences. And that's what we're trying to show everybody. And I mean in every different walk, background, faith. It's the idea of faith. If we just said, that, hey, let's interview people of faith, then I'm not talking let's interview Christians or Sikhs or Muslims. We're talking about people of faith. And everybody's included. Yes. Right? So that's where we're getting at. Yeah. We want to talk about inclusion and not um, divide and conquer. We conquer by uniting and conquering. <laughs> well, you
0: know, the, the more you profile this, the more you're actually giving permission to people to see um, what's possible. You know, uh, w- oh. that that there is hope, that there is love. You know, the the mainstream media, you know, and your politicians and your naysayers in life are just, you know, we're going to hell in a handbasket, you know. And you can understand why, you know, uh, post-traumatic stress and anxiety and depression is running high. The more people actually see um, the hope and the unity you know, um, and that we're all part of a community and see each other from the inside out and not the color of our skin or our sex or our religion or our economics, I think the more it, it invites people to step away from that fear which becomes somebody else's control and empower themselves and take back their own power.
1: See, I think uh, modern media and technology has allowed yourselves Mm -hmm. and ourselves to do what we're doing. Uh, I I took a course in a university. I try and take one every year. This was about five years ago. And it was uh, mass communications and media studies. And uh, you learn in there that media was created as propaganda. It Mm -hmm. was a way of teaching the masses to believe one way and to either divide or have people go on a certain movement. So that was the purpose of media. In okay, so case point
0: in the U.S., it worked. <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And even even if, uh, say, a murder happened, and you know, you're going to pick up the newspaper, and it's not going to say man killed man, which is the basic conflict of life. It's going to say Asian killed yeah. Indian. So right away, it says, oh, those Indians. Oh, why are they killing the poor? Mm. So it's starting that division and pointing fingers. So if it was reported like man killed man, then any man or woman reading that article say why did that man kill him? And so now we have empathy uh, towards the victim because nobody should have been killed. But when all of a sudden it's like, oh, this person killed that person, You're like, oh, he probably deserved it. So it, it's almost justifying bad things, the yeah. media. And, yeah. and that's what we want to get away from, right? We want to try and say, okay, this is the situation and not point the fingers. Uh, I, I couldn't believe it when I learned that uh, in media that it was created Way back in the early 30, 20s, 30s, the war movies, it was all propaganda. Yes. And yes. money was put in by government. And, uh, yeah, I, I, it t- still blows me away. Uh, well, that's what it, this
0: It's a big industry. It's a big business. And, uh, you, know, and, and what's, you know, in the U.S., I've obviously interviewed a great deal of American people. Um, and, you know, the U.S. Is, has just been this entire thing, propaganda. And they talk about and they focus about fake news on Facebook. But you know, I think actually more people will get their news from Facebook, from Twitter, from Instagram, by sharing opinions, opening up to, to discussion um, through the videos that they're taking in real time. And you know, I think that's become more people's truth than it has been trusting what you watch on, you know, at six or ten o'clock at night, where the news has been manipulated. And you know, so many people are living in distrust. How do we get them back to trust again? And we do that by inviting conversation.
1: Mm -hmm. And and you're right, 100%, because one article will have a 1,000 comments on it. Now, each person is sharing their perspective and knowledge on that thought, so you're able to gain a broader universal perspective. Uh, Whereas the news, yeah, it's one uh, two-minute broadcast of that one subject, and it, it can go from, all right, uh, weather devastation, natural disaster, murder, and on the lighter side, <laughs> and it's <laughs> like it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. You know, they just told me a story about uh, genocide, and then the reporter smiles and tells me, "Well, this cat on the uh, in this tree was saved by a firefighter today." You know, and it's just wow. How can you change levels so it fast and not really have emotion? Yeah, 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 exactly. It
0: numbs them, and they become, uh, you know, um, they don't even see the kitty anymore because all they're seeing is the is the destruction. Um, i I got a question for you. Yeah.
1: Okay. Tell me if I'm right on this one. And I analyzed news. And news usually shares bad news. Mm -hmm. You know, it's usually something negative. And uh, I did some research to see if there's any good newspapers. And it turned out about 10 years ago, a guy started the good newspaper. I think it was in Chicago. And the first three, four months, this paper was a hit. It it was huge, everybody was in circulation, it was getting bigger and bigger, and then by about the sixth, seventh month, sales stopped. Uh, People that were buying it started cancelling subscriptions, and now I didn't do uh, homework, I just dug into my own brain, and I was trying to think, why would this happen? And this is what I came up with. When it comes to news and sharing bad news, um, us, everyday civilians, uh, Canadians, Americans, it doesn't matter what country you live in, life isn't easy. And uh, so you're trying to make it ends meet. And we're trying to make ends meet. And uh, so what happens is all of a sudden you're looking at your life, which is very difficult, and you see something bad happen to somebody on TV, and you're like, oh, glad that didn't happen to me. Life could have been so much worse. So you start to accept that, okay, life is okay because it's not as bad as that guy on TV. So you're justifying your life, and saying, okay, life isn't so bad. And on the other hand, when you're constantly watching good news, it makes you kind of be like, wow, why doesn't something good happen to me? And so you start going into negative thoughts in your own world, saying, oh, I wish my life was better, I wish my life was this. So by reading good news, it makes you feel bad about your own life. And by watching bad news, it actually makes you feel better about your own life, which is a sad, sad thing. Now, this is my own perception here. the real way of life or what it, the right. That's just what I think. Am I wrong?
0: I put a different point of view. Um, you know, I think that the bad news is it's, you know, I, I say CNN takes a, a pimple and makes it a volcanic eruption. It sensationalizes things. And it takes something and makes the disaster even worse. And it does it to such a point that people feel at like despair, that there's no hope and there's nothing they can do. And then you go and show them something, a good news. And, but you say, yes, I got to this happy place I'm in the life that I always seeked, but I had to work at it, so now the onus comes back on you. Well, I can buy into the misery and carry on the misery bandwagon, and I've handed my life over to someone else, or I'm having to step up and take ownership of my own life, put in the work to find my peace and happiness and purpose, so I can reach that goal. Which is easier? Most people will go, oh, it's easier to be miserable. It actually takes work to be happy. <laughs> Right? So I think the onus comes back on us.
1: Yeah. So your own perception on that, okay, uh, yeah, great answer. There's no right or wrong. It's all what we think in the end, right? But yes, exactly. I think
0: but it does come back on us if, you know, you know from, you're taking your own journey. If you're not willing to listen to the redirects, if you're not willing to get out there and learn, um, if you're not willing to absorb the knowledge um, and put it into action. You're not going to get anywhere. So if you don't participate in your own life, you're not going to achieve things. As you said before, oh. you've, got to, you've got to drive that journey to go and get to your destination.
1: Participate in your own life. Mm-hmm. So don't be a spectator. Right. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay.
0: okay. And don't be a wishful Thank thinker. You. I wish they were. I was like them. I wish there was like them. Well, you know, you're probably better. Why don't you explore and find out?
1: Absolutely! Oh no, we we don't. I don't watch the news. <laughs> We're action people, yes. and so Nick sits on his uh, laptop with his headphones in. I bug him a couple times, and he just looks at me and he just says headphones. <laughs> and, and then uh, he's either got a book in his hand or he's off to a a meeting or a meetup or, or something. Me, uh, I sit with a book, my uh, iPad, and coffee shop. So constant interaction. So we're, we are sponges in our own different way. Um, Nick is absorbing the world right now, and I'm absorbing individual conversations mm-hmm. on a daily basis.
0: And, and you know, so. I'm a coffee shopper. You know, um, uh, I love a good atmosphere at a good coffee place. You know, a good cup of coffee. You talked earlier about, you know, a, a cup of tea coming out of like a truck. I was in Taiwan, and they have this brilliant coffee places coming out of these little vans on the corner street. The best coffee I ever had absolutely fantastic um but i love coffee shops but it's not so much for the coffee because sometimes the coffee isn't great it's the it's the opportunity to meet people and have a conversation and if you set a good atmosphere that's very invitational and very open to that you know i think it's a fabulous place to meet people to have that dialogue to exchange energies and then go home with a new infused information and uh, inspiration
1: a hundred percent agreed and can i be uh cheap here and give a a quick plug
0: oh please plug away
1: <laughs> all right well if anybody is in the valley close to absurde mission a go sip chai cafe uh what sarah just talked about is what we have created uh my mom and i run a tea shop and we treat it like a living room there's all cushioned seats and uh you're going to have to check this out. I, I, I can't say much about it. You can Google it, and the reviews are literally that. So uh, SIPCHAI, S-I-P-P-C-H-A-I, and we treat it like a home in there, and that's exactly why we did it. Um, a cup of tea. Um, there's a book, uh, Two Cups of Tea. Have you heard of it? Uh,
0: no. No, you should have. I'm
1: British. Oh, oh, <laughs> this, is, this is actually a really good book, and, and uh, the basic point of the story is um, one cup of tea is commercial you're literally going in having it for yourself and getting your caffeine or your fix and you're off but that second cup of tea is when you get to know somebody and so say you sit down to have a conversation with somebody that first cup is just kind of getting situated and how are you okay it's good when you sit down and have that second cup of tea with somebody that's when the conversation gets deep that's when you build a connection and so for that reason all our chairs have like three-inch cushions, so your butt doesn't get sore, and you can actually sit there and have a second cup. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. a
0: two-cup coffee person for that same reason. Two
1: cups of tea. Yeah. It's a great book Tea, actually. Yeah. yeah right.
0: Well, I mean, you know, tea, tea in England isn't just a cuppa. You know, it's always it's a solution to everything. You know, pour a cup of love, let's have a chat. You know, and and it is. It kind of started around the kitchen sink. You know, around the kitchen table, and then into the living room with the fine china and afternoon tea and it, it, is, it, it is a place of gathering and of sharing and of conversation and I think it's great to see it come back you know and be uh, I've uh, there's one thing I've kind of missed here is kind of the, the afternoon tea place or the place that you can go sit for an hour or two with some people over a great cup of tea or coffee and some nice treats and have that conversation we've become so commercialised with our Starbucks and everything that you know we're we're kind of missing that a lot.
1: Oh, we're going to change that. Our slogan is helping change lives one cup at a time. I have franchise. We have franchise, but we don't want to do the whole cold generic. Right. Every community we go to, we want to use their local product, uh, local main featured. So it's a different approach to big business, though. Yes. Um, yeah, there's a plan. Yeah, Definitely, you're, is you're a plan. You're much
0: like my son. He's starting his own cafe deli. Um, Here in Maple Ridge and it's all locally sourced um, farmer's food. He has a a vegetable farm right next to him and everything will be locally sourced to the best of his ability you know made fresh on site every day and it's all for him it's that putting that food on your table and you eating it it's it's served with love and he wants you to eat it with that love and go away with that full happy belly Um, and that's his passion and his conviction and I think we, we became so commercialized in our food source in every way that we're hungering for that personalization around food and service again, where, you know, people don't just know us as a number, they know us as a name.
1: Yeah, um, food. I I don't know if this is exactly true. I I saw a post on social media, and it was talking about how a Western world, we eat individually. Uh, Lunchtime is either go, go, go. Um, dinner time. Uh, not everybody is at the home. It's made. Whoever's around has it, and everything is time scheduled to go, go, go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just North America. Yeah. When you look over at the other side of the, the world, uh, their purpose is to sit down and take as much time as you can to eat, to actually have a conversation. Like I remember uh, my trip in India. I never ate a meal alone, unless I was on the train for 24 hours or something. But Everywhere you went, breakfast, lunch, and dinner is with family, and I don't mean just one or two people. I mean the yeah. whole ten, fifteen people sit and eat lunch, breakfast, and dinner together. It's that, that's what's unbelievable! So, I've Never seen that.
0: Great about the Chinese community, isn't it, Nicholas? You know, um, I love the fact it's round tables. So there isn't you know people yelling from one end to the other. It's a round table. It invites conversation. I, I'm doing a Chinese dinner next week with uh, some of my lady radio guests. And you know, it's about meeting and greeting over great feast of diversified food. People leave happy with a good belly full. They've (coughs) had great conversation. Everybody's had equal opportunity. Um, And uh, you know, I think you know, as you said, the different cultures, uh, like Chinese, like um, like um, Indian, and like European. The food is the conversation. Is the interaction. It's the business. That's where business is done, um, and in North America we've kind of forgotten that everything gets fast, 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 and uh, we need to slow down.
1: Absolutely, take a minute for ourselves.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, do you find, that the uh, Nicholas, the uh, you know the Chinese culture of, you know, and the way that it embraces food and, and eating, and you know, eat, 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 <laughs> grandmother shoving food down your throat, you know how it brings <laughs> all together.
2: Well, actually. Um, like I said, I was born in uh, Toronto and then came over to BC, but a lot of my relatives actually are in, still in, back in China. So I'm very much, uh, I'm pretty whitewashed, I think. Next lying, he eats
1: so much. <laughs> <laughs> this, this kid, uh, I don't know, what, he's got a worm in his stomach or something, mm-hmm. but he eats, he's a tiny man, but he eats. Am I lying, Nick?
2: <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I'm at that age right uh, now. But. I see
1: it in Nick, I think, subconsciously. Whenever we're in a group, or uh, we go for uh, lunch, it's always a round table and we're constantly talking. Like yeah. Our team does it once a month, twice a month, but uh, yeah, he, Nick does it without knowing. He always asks one question uh, one way and he'll always turn around and be like, well, what do you think? And so he doesn't look for the one answer. Uh, he does engage our team or uh, just our guests, always individually. So it's a big group discussion, but he doesn't take an answer from one person. He'll, he'll be like, "Okay, well, all right, I like that. Oh, do you think the same thing, or doesn't that affect you?" So very engaging um, when we sit down and eat. Uh, do you notice that Nick about yourself?
2: Uh, I, yeah, I think so. I think that's just in my nature. I'm I'm really ADD, so I have a lot of thoughts <laughs> bouncing around in my head. And so it's hard to you just pick one thing, and yeah, there's always something going on. Maybe now. it's ADD. Maybe that's just your maybe. ingrained. Maybe it's, maybe it's just maybe inquisitive. It's just, just
0: inquisitive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: No, I'm. I'm yeah. very curious. My most and there's of my nothing life, wrong with that. So. I mean,
0: you know, it, that's the thing is, is that somebody will give a response, and you don't just sit there and go and accept that response. that somebody else can give their perspective, and you may disagree on some things, but you'll find a commonality somewhere along the line, and it's just a question of willing to hear each other, isn't it?
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, And everyone has a different answer too, which makes it a lot more interesting.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I and mean, that's how you find solutions. There's actually another book when you're talking about books. It's called The Seven Hats. And it's literally devised by a guy in, in negotiations where you put on this hat and, and that means you're going to address that person's topic or uh, inquiry and um, until that conversation is finished, you can't put on your own hat. Um, and it's quite uh, it was a long time ago that I read it and I'm not even sure it's in publication anymore but basically what it is is that you hear the person out and you completely and utterly discuss it everybody there does then you go on to another person's topic and in that way it's respectful to truly hear people out address what that is and at the end of the conversation you've really got a full feast of knowledge there that you can really work with
2: makes sense yeah I think that's that's awesome seven hats hats I think seven hats seven hats hats. yes Uh, when you wear the hat you're more inquisitive and there's less assumptions you make when you wear that hat right Mm -hmm. so that there's more knowledge that can you can absorb I think uh, yeah yeah it's just focusing
0: on that particular moment on that particular topic and everybody addressing that instead of addressing their own and mm purposing. So, um, you know, we're great talkers, but are we great listeners? That's a big uh,
1: <laughs> absolutely. And even if you're listening, you absorbing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah. we hope
0: we hope people are. You know, um, you know, we you obviously you've got the generation that is distracted by the phone all the time, and you know that's killed a lot of art of conversation. Um, you know, you can't converse with somebody that's busy on their phone. You know, and it's also not very respectful. And maybe I'm showing sure my age here. Uh, if you have your phone there, which is there for business, and you need to take calls, and you explain that, that's fine. But to be on your phone while you're talking with somebody, when you're in a group, I, I personally think is disrespectful.
1: No, I agree. Yeah. I agree. It comes across as standoffish. or like, "Hey, I'm kind of
2: busy. Don't talk to me right now."
0: Right.
2: Yeah. Or you, even if you take a look at their phone and you just see them scrolling on Facebook, so it's they're not even doing anything really important
0: right exactly yeah, they've become a slave to that uh, that little box in their hand so tell us about your team and the diversity you know does um one person do the interviews or a cross-section of people or each person has their own skill
2: well we got a couple people doing the interviews we kind of do it back and forth our main host is jazz but uh i've done a couple of interviews so has. uh Gervier and Harbier and a few other people as well, David. Yeah. And so we all kind of wear different hats in in our company. And yeah, yeah, yeah I want all these guys to do interviews, but uh, some shy away. Uh, <laughs> but they all put the
1: effort in, and uh, the topics come up just by what's happening in the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be a event thing. Uh, it could be a cultural holiday which we haven't shared, and we're reaching out to learn. Um, the interviewing process, it, it, it's literally, hey, guys, we want to do this one. And usually they look at me and it's just like, yeah, I can do this, but anybody else? And like, uh, the next one, I'll, I'll do the one with that so-and-so. <laughs> and so it, it's okay. I'm a talker, and uh, I like to engage people. So even if I have a, I've never walked into a conversation, or interview, let's call it, uh, with a goal to get something out of that conversation. And it's just, well, let's figure out who they are, Mm-hmm. Uh, ask them of life. And when they mention something like a trigger, I jump on that. Yes. And then I try and dig on the trigger. And that becomes the focus of my conversation. I
0: call it them becomes like real. organic conversations. 100%. Mm-hmm.
1: It's real. Yes. And then I'm somehow able to dig openly and have somebody uh, answer me genuinely without being like, oh, oh, I, I don't want to talk about that. We get into really good, deep conversations. And it's just a connect. Yes. When you genuinely care about somebody and ask that caring question, uh, they don't question wh- whether they should answer. they get into it like sometimes I get so sidetracked like I'm sitting on the couch listening and I forget what my next question was going to be because their story has taken over my brain and uh, I, I, I get lost in it and yeah. I do that on purpose.
0: Yeah uh, yeah and, and you know there's the kind of shows that I do as you can tell you know it's we know that we're (laughs) going to be talking about a b and c but how we're going to be talking about and how it's woven in and out will reveal itself in in its own conversation and i think we learn so much more about each other but the most important thing is that honesty and that vulnerability that comes across that you don't get by firing questions and answering preconceived questions it's um letting that conversation unfold and it becomes so much more invitational
2: it's, it's like confer, uh, converting the ABCs into the ADDs,
1: and uh, it's so <laughs> <still> odd. <on. laughs>
2: <laughs> See how I did that? <laughs>
0: so and I still listen what you said. I heard you. <laughs> so you're based in, in Abbotsford, uh, BC, and that, that's where you do the recordings?
1: Uh, we travel on location, on site, wherever it's feasible. We've traveled to Richmond, we've done Vancouver Pride, Uh, we have team members in Mission, so they've covered the Mission Fest, Uh, we've done Color Me Rad and Cloverdale, Uh, so if there's anything happening in the Valley that uh, pertains to diversity, multiculturalism, uh, we'd love to be there. So um, anybody listening, there's a website, uh, there's YouTube, Instagram, there's Twitter. Uh, Get a hold of us. Find us. Send us a message and uh, reach out. And we would love to be a part of your guys' organization, your events, your cause. Um, If you're helping, we'd like to help you.
0: And of course, it's spill your beans, which is a u r b e a n z. So SpillYourBeans.com. That's right. And of course, you go spill your beans uh, YouTube and uh, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Um, so and uh, you have the live What well, the shows that go out uh, and feature on um, Joy TV, um, and they air when? Uh,
1: currently, until the end of this year, we're going to be sticking to a Saturday, three o'clock. Pacific time, and uh, we have been approached to go on prime time weeknights and do an hour show. And so the team is just, oh, uh, there's more. We're we're not able to share Mm -hmm. yet, but uh, I think there's more coming. And we're just brainstorming to figure out uh, what approach we're going to take. So we're doing some fun episodes. So if you're listening right now, the team will be doing a mock dating game, and uh, this well, we're going to put the bachelors and bachelorettes from different backgrounds and ask uh, questions about, well, how did your parents meet and uh, are you going to meet the same way or ask up? So it's kind of historical, cultural, so how the parents' history is and how are you still on that wavelength? Are you following your parents' path or are you the Western path? Have you changed your way or belief? And so, yeah. Stay tuned, you guys. We're going to have a fun one. It's going to be one of The Bachelors. So, sure. <laughs> 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 Pay attention, ladies.
0: Pay attention. <laughs> um, and, yeah, uh, you know uh, at. All the <laughs> shows you do are then also featured on YouTube, so they can be seen anywhere uh, that people are listening in the world.
1: Anywhere in the world. If you've got Wi-Fi or online, you've got us at your fingertips. Yes.
0: Wonderful. And we know that we learn so much about ourselves by listening to someone else, and again, that inspiration, that invitation. And uh, it's also just fun, isn't it? You know, we we learn, we listen, but it's also a a good feeling to come about and have a good laugh as well, you know, with you. It's not at you, it's with you. Um, And it's, as you said, you're focusing on real life, but you're focusing on things that are uplifting. And we need a lot more of that.
1: Thank you, I agree. And you know what? I think people want to do it, uh, be a part of it. It's one, they lack confidence in themselves, so they're scared to put their viewpoint out there in fear of judgment Mm
2: -hmm. and so
1: most people keep their thoughts within themselves uh, because they don't want to get judged they don't want to get put down or start a conversation where they have to defend their belief system to somebody they don't know Um, so just be confident and don't worry about judgment judgment isn't against you it's their own perception of what they think you're saying and then all you do is well you will ask them again Well, why do you think that way now instead of it being a judgment on you you've asked them to tell or explain why they feel the way they feel about what you just said. So never take it personal. Uh, Feel free to speak your mind. Uh, The confidence is just believing in what you're saying. And uh, anybody judging or questioning you, um, it's them wanting to learn. So perceive it differently. And and trust yourself. Yeah, get Uh, out there. share your.
0: you know, stand tall in your own life and your own conviction. You know, if people are just out there to attack, understand it's coming from a place of their own discord. Uh, and you're just an easy target and and if you've just you know you're entitled to your opinion this is mine Uh, if I can help you understand it great if not I wish you well Um, (coughs) So you can only speak to people that are willing to listen and if people are questioning or if they are coming at you sometimes it's not an attack it is an inquiry It just may not be done very well so you've got to be open to those reactions that you're going to get and don't take it personally Don Ruse four agreements right speak your word with integrity Never assume. Always ask. Do your very best based on yourself. And uh, gosh, what is the f- the fourth one? I'm completely brain dead here now. Uh, and ne- never assume. Do your very best. Speak your word with integrity. And um, I can't remember the third try. one now. Maybe somebody else out somebody there can. Like um, I know this one off by heart, and I've just had a complete brain fart as <laughs> uh, to what it is. <laughs> but uh, I. I is just speak it well, integrity, lack of assumption. Don't pursue, and um, you know, I think just honor who you are, never apologize for who you are. Um, and we've all entitled to a voice, we've all got a story to tell, and it will inspire somebody. So, don't be afraid to tell it
1: absolutely. And if you have one, get a hold of us, we'll help you tell it
0: right exactly. So, remember, um it's spill your beans u r b e n z dot com. And it's info at SpillYourBeans.com if you want to have your story shared. And uh, really, a story shared is so enlightening and so inviting to people, so don't be afraid to do it. Uh, great job, guys. Um, you know, great to, to see this happening and uh, to see the expansion Thank of you. it. And, uh, you know, keep up the great work and keep expanding. We need those good stories out there. And we need to shift that, you know, from bad news to good news and just show people that uh, there are some great things going on in the world.
1: absolutely there are great things and this is just uh, three of us sitting here talking and uh, hopefully there's a few listening and saying you know what time for me to share my story so get up start sharing your stories guys
0: yep and I've got quite a few lists of people to send your way so um, you know expect a few uh, of great people with great stories to tell thanks so much Nicholas thank you so much Jazz Uh, as I say keep up the great work it's uh, wonderful what you're doing and the great attitude in which you're doing it in And I wish you well on it.
2: Thank you, Sarah. (laughs) Thank you, Sarah.
0: And to everybody else out there, understand a story, just whether you think it's big or not, just something that you're going to say in honesty in your story is going to switch somebody else's light on. It's going to be that invitation. It's going to be uh, that liberation for them. So never, ever be afraid to tell your story because you have no idea the impact it's having on someone else out there. Until next time, folks. And remember to have a very, very Merry Christmas.